Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast, and I'm excited to share today's guest with you, Ben Humble. Ben is a real estate investor and entrepreneur that has one of those incredible immigration stories about how his ignorance to how hard things actually were gave him the advantage he needed to go from cleaning carpets to becoming a successful real estate millionaire. Ben loves to get fired up and he doesn't disappoint in this episode as he shares about how he got serious about how he wanted to build a business and not a hobby. And by building automation into that business, he has been able to create absolute freedom in his life to just be present in whatever he wants to focus on. And near the end of the episode, Ben asks a challenging question about how panhandlers could be the universe's way of checking in on where our true ability to serve lies. This episode is fast-hitting and full of energy, so without any time wasted, I'm excited for you to hear this incredible episode with Ben Humble. All right, well, I'm excited to welcome to the show... Mr. Ben Humble. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, good to be here, boys. Dude, your energy is infectious and undeniably some of the best I've ever had. So I'm super fired up to, to have you bring that on the podcast and just be yourself and let's let loose on this one and, and just have some of your energy impact our audience. Cause I know it is one of the best things that I've experienced talking, hanging out with you is just the hype, the energy you bring to every show. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun to have you come in. And I want to start because people might be wondering, you go by Ben Humble or the Humble CEO. Where does that come from? Where does the Humble CEO start? Yeah, well, number one, I'm Romanian, so nobody can pronounce my last name. So I figured, why go against the tide? Everybody's kind of pronounced it. Nobody ever can. So somewhere I've said, I'm just going to change it informally. There you go. And, uh, you know, I was with some buddies one day and they were all getting these nicknames and stuff and real estate people. And so like, well, what, what, what names did you go by? I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to chill out, man. I'm just trying to be humble. I'm just trying to do awesome things, have fun, but just keep a good hand on my shoulders. Remember where I came from and just make sure that I don't ever develop too big of an ego because ego is not a problem for me. It comes very easily, like most men. I'm just humble, man. I'm like the humble guy, like the humble dude, the humble wholesaler, the humble investor, the probably the humble this, the humble CEF. So you just kind of stuck. And then for the last few years, I've just been humble. People are going, hey, man, you're humble. Yes, I'm humble. So it's just something that resonates with me. I joke with my wife that she doesn't want me to get a tattoo. And I'm like, well, girl, I mean, tattoos are cool. I want to be cool. I'm trying to look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, just different pigments. You feel me? And she's like, well, you're not getting a tattoo. I said, all right, well, I mean, I'm happily married. And that's how you stay happily married is you don't get a tattoo and your wife says you don't want tattoos. So I just started going by this humble stuff and just went humble all the damn time. I got a humble hat, humble shirt. It's my version of a tattoo. So when I see this in the mirror, I go, all right, man, make sure you have a good day. Make sure you stay humble, stay positive, keep it rolling. And it, it, it ties back into a formula that I have on life, which I'm sure we'll get into today. But 
it helps me with my formula. So I just kind of go by humble now. That's been my favorite for the last couple of years. And for me, the, the one lesson is if you're an immigrant, just stop trying to tell people how to pronounce your damn name. You're just not going to get it. Just grow up, get over it, and just make a new name. I, I live in a world where we get to create whatever we want. So for me, I just go by humble and that's kind of stuck. So it's been good. That's that's awesome, man. And we're going to dive into a little bit about getting whatever you want, because I know you live the life of whatever you want, and it's very inspiring what you've been able to create. But I wanted to start diving in a little bit on your business. You've, you've been able to create some very successful businesses, and I know it wasn't easy for you. Can you just walk us through a little bit about the process of you were pretty young when you started getting into the real estate industry and started scaling your systems and stuff. Just walk us through the first four or five years before you were able to have the success and freedom that you created as an immigrant coming in and starting to build a business. Yeah, my story is different than most. It also resonates with a lot of people. I'll give you some context. So I came here as an immigrant from Romania. I'm the oldest of nine kids. Mom and dad worked two or three jobs to put food on the table, obviously, with nine kids in Canada. We just try to make uh, make ends meet and have a good life, which we did. But I actually wanted to be a musician as a kid. So I like played in church and played in bands and rock bands. That's why I got some gear behind me. I played guitar, played keyboard, all that stuff. And I went to University of Windsor actually for a couple of years as a trumpet major. And I wanted to play music really badly. That was always my dream and passion. Even in high school, I took all of the applied courses because they were easy. And as long as I got to do music, like who needed math and science and all that other crap, right? So... I got into music and halfway through at university, my teacher said, you are like one of the most talented and laziest kids I've ever met. That's what she said to me. She's like, you're talented. You can play, but you don't practice. You don't do the work. You don't. And there's people that came in with less talent than you that are getting further ahead than you. And she, she's like, you will never become a music teacher if you keep this up. And I was like, music teacher? That's not what I signed up for. I didn't come here to become a music teacher. I came here to play. She's like, no, no, this is a music teaching program. I'm like, wow, I'm an idiot. So I realized very quickly I was on the wrong path. And then I, I made a decision. It was a tough couple months. The decision was this. I was like, I never want to have to worry about money again. I want to literally play music on my own terms. I want to live life on my own terms. I want to just be able to do fun stuff. And I don't want money to be the reason why I can't do it. So I dropped out. Dropped out of school. I signed my hand at business school. I got put on academic probation after one and a half semesters. Had to drop out. Then I went to the college for a semester. Hint, college is way easier. The university, I learned along the way. Uh, so it worked out pretty good. What I did get was some very basic things like basic accounting, basic microeconomics, and things like that. So I started a carpet cleaning business, and I just did whatever I could. I cleaned. My family had cleaning service businesses their whole Canadian time they've been here. So I decided to do that. So I made up for all the times that I didn't help my dad vacuum floors. I made up for all the times that I was playing music in the corner, playing the piano at the church where mom and dad were mopping the floors. And I ended up cleaning and just cleaning shit, you know, the carpets and floors and janitorial and bars after hours and all this thing. Deep down, I wanted to do music and stuff that I was passionate about. And then somebody told me, hey, man, you could, you could try real estate. I was like, why? And they said, well, because you'll make more money. I said, okay. So then I got turned on to this book and this passage in a book that basically said, if you want to become a millionaire, all you got to do is buy a million bucks worth of real estate and then just have somebody else pay it off. Those people are called tenants. And in 25 years, you're a millionaire. And I was like, okay, that's literally all I do. Sounds pretty good. And I stumbled into real estate because I was running away from other work. I wanted to do music. I ran away from school. And the first thing I ran towards 
was whatever gave me money and that was a cleaning service. And then I ran away from the cleaning business and the thing that I thought would give me the final freedom was real estate. So I didn't grow up as like, I'm going to be a business owner. I'm going to have real estate and I'm going to be this guy. It was never really my intention. I just a kid who wants to play music. That's it. I just have a goal. I have a passion for music and I didn't want to be a sellout. I didn't want to go play at bars and clubs because that's what I was doing in high school and university and high school. I was playing at bars and I had to sit in the corner because I wasn't 19, so I couldn't drink. So I just sat in the corner, played my damn keyboard, and then I had to sit there while my older buddies who were in the same band would go to the bar and hang out and stuff. So I didn't want to become a like street performer musician, and that's how I got into real estate. That was literally my entry. From there, I just realized very quickly one thing. How fast can I get out? How fast can I get out of this damn real estate thing? Because it's a pain in my butt and I just need to make money. And maybe that resonates with you guys or your audience. And, and I think what happens, and I'll get to my process really quickly, everybody glorifies this business. Everybody makes real estate and business. It's very complicated, overwhelming, they say. They try to tether their wives to their company and their significance to their company and their identity to their business. And everything becomes about money. Everything becomes about their company, which inevitably changes and alters their the way they view themselves, and then it just turns into this massive pride, ego-driven thing about more, more, more money. And then the question I always have for people is, why did you even start this in the first place? I did not start this for more money. I started this thing for my version of freedom. So I can play my instrument, I can make music, I can do stuff, and I will never have to worry about money being a barrier in my life again. That's it. Now, what does that evolve to? It's evolved to an awesome business. It's evolved to being a business owner in different spaces. We're in the real estate space, in the education space, in the media space. Got a lot of cool stuff in the personal development space. And I got really good at business and not because I wanted to get really good at business, guys, but because being good at business created for me the level of income and resources that I needed to get back to doing the stuff that I love to do, like what I'm doing today, writing an album, traveling the world. I started at 21. I finished at 36. And now the only businesses I touch are things that are massively impactful to me and other people that I care about. Simple. It's either passion, so I get to have impact and then income, or I'm not doing it. I'm not interested in more deals. I'm not interested in more dollars. I'm a beneficiary of a hot market like a lot of us are. The only difference in a hot market is I have purchased hundreds of deals in Canada, and most people have purchased a few deals. I just went hard and fat and aggressive, and I did whatever I had to do to figure out this real estate thing. And to give your audience some, some relative awareness, like the first five years, I was just grinding to get out. I didn't know what I didn't know. I was just trying to do deals after deals after deals, raise money. I made mistakes. I tried to hire people. Then I fired people and I started going at it again. Then I did cleaning. Guys, I just went through the shit over and over again until eventually I started asking better questions. I said, how do you build a business? Who has a business that I admire? And I found people that had businesses. Well, many of them were business owners in the U.S. I'm like, how did you get here? What did you do? And they gave me the same kind of formula. Hey, man, you need process. You need people. You need mentorship. You need the education that you didn't get at university because you didn't learn business. You learn how to work. And most of us get into real estate and we treat it like this hobby, grind, whatever. And it's not. It's a viable business with real meaningful process building opportunity if we treat it that way. So that was what it was, is I developed my left brain, aggressive, working side, because the creative side comes easy to me. That's what I love to do. And I just, I created discipline in my life. I created discipline around the work. 
I started working hard. I started getting this stuff. And then I have the benefit of both. I could create an amazing company that impact people and also make a shit ton of revenue and help me. And we get to do that in environments that I like. So that's kind of the starting point. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's how I got in. Yeah, there's about four hours worth of gold that I could dig out of that uh, one little sentence there. So the one thing I do want to dive into is something that I think that you've become an expert in that a lot of people could learn from is exactly what you said. You became an expert at business, not just a hobby and and wanting to get you that freedom that you actually wanted. What were some of the things you learned along the way that allowed you to create the systems to free up your time? And for context, so many of us get so excited about building the business. We're in it. We're involved in it. You kind of took that path and learned that wasn't where you wanted to go. You actually wanted to be the man at the top and, and just have your, I know you only work a few hours a week. What were some of the key factors in creating that lifestyle? So there's two sides. There's going to be the left side and the right side. Okay. We'll go to the right. The right is the emotional thinking side. Emotionally thinking about the business. Yeah, I think it's very important that we develop some kind of vision or work with people that are that are vision creators because you need to know what you're doing that's for, why, what the outcome is, what do you really desire. For me, it was as simple as this. I want to be able to do what I want with whom I want, what I want, without thinking about the money. That's it. That's my little vision. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. So I had to emotionally, Randy, make a decision that I wasn't here to worship business. I wasn't here to turn business into my whole life's ambition. Business was a tool, vehicle, was a vehicle for me to get back to what I was doing. And I had to start with that context. When I started with that context in mind, then I get to go to my left brain and start being extremely tactical. And I did this. What are my key core values, my non-negotiables that I need to live by to achieve that? And instead of jumping into real estate and just doing work to do work, I like as I'm working and figuring things out, I start really confirming my own personal belief systems, which become my conviction. My conviction is this. I need to do it quick. I have to work with seed. I have to work quickly because I did basic math. If I can get to a million dollars, if it takes me 10 years or two years, I'll take the two years. Most of us will. And then here's the next logical truth. What do you have to do to become the kind of person that does it in two years? Who do you have to be? Well, I can't be a perfectionist because perfectionism is going to kill all the progress. So I started reading into this stuff. I started asking myself, what kind of individual do I have to become to do the things I got to do to have the outcome that I want? I wanted it fast because I wanted to get somewhere, right? So I'm just treating business like it's a car and I need to get to a destination. Business is not my destination. So I work with speed. I have to work with results. Listen, man, I'm not doing this as a hobby. I'm not doing it for fun. I'm not here to hang out. I'm not here to go to real estate bullshit meetings that are about nothing other than just passing out stupid business cards. I'm just not interested in that stuff. So it created in me an extremely intentional mindset. And that's what I think is the biggest key differentiator is I start with intention and I end with intention. I'm not a chill out kind of guy to take things easily. I'm, I'm one of those old school Christians that I'm like, hot or cold, don't make me lukewarm. I don't live in low levels of attention. It's never worked for me. I was blessed as an immigrant that I got to see another side of life, a greater struggle than we see in North America. I got to see people live below what we would call the poverty line, struggling day to day. And then if I was blessed enough to be brought to Canada as a young kid, 
What a waste of a life if I don't do something significant. What a waste of an opportunity if I don't take it seriously. And that's where I start. So how does that work? My core values go, see, results. Don't waste time. Make it happen. And then when it really happened for me the most, Randy, is when I started getting out of my own way. As young men, we develop massive egos and pride. And Ed Milet says that most people get to 18 years old in their growth, and they remain the same person until they die. And somewhere in my early 20s, I realized this concept about myself. Because I was trying to become very self-aware through reading and through talking to people. And I said, I have to start thinking better. I have to start asking better questions. Simple as that. And I started reading books like The E-Myth Revisited, which helped me understand that most people become a technician in their business. They struggle to become a manager, but never actually go back to being a business owner. And I go, ooh, I want to be a business owner. I don't want to be a technician. I don't want to do this shit all day. I'll be a technician in music because I like that. I don't want to be a manager because I actually don't want to manage everybody else. I just want to own this thing and treat it as an investment. So this is the thesis that I start with is it has to be an investment. I have to get out of it quickly. I have to build it for the long term, sustainable revenues that I can actually grow. I have to work with great quality people. And all of those questions and all of those elements took me a few years to figure out how to do that. But then I got to build really sustainable, long-term businesses based on fundamental growth that grow on merit, that, have, that get to pull me out of the business. So for me, it became easier and easier and easier to live this way and think this way because I made decisions that became non-negotiables in my life, that became absolutely fundamental to the way that I invest my time and energy. So a core of it is who I am, a core of it is the decisions I made. So then what happened? I'm very quickly to hire people. I really want to hire people. When I'm in my mid, so at 21, I started investing. I bought single family homes. By 23, 24, I'm hiring people. I'm trying to hire whoever I can. I screwed it up a lot. I hired family and friends and people that didn't have the expertise, but they were available. Then I learned about startup phase versus growth phase. And the startup phase, we just hire whoever we can because we need to get work moving, which is not a bad idea. I read the book, Ready, Fire, Aim, which helped me understand that I'm not wrong for jumping into stuff. I need to jump in, create a bunch of chaos, figure out the operational efficiency, understand sales, marketing, operations, finance, and people, and then start to leverage these things to really actually build out a sustainable business. So everything in my life is kind of a defining moment, right? Kind of like the movie, The Founder with Ray Kroc. I watch this movie and I go, that's what I want is to build something. So Randy, it came from this concept that I did enough cleaning in the cleaning business to know I didn't want to grind. I also was never going to have the life I wanted. Remember, who I want, where I want, when I want, without worrying about the cost. I knew that there's no way I was going to be able to travel if I became a slave to my own business. There was no way I was going to be able to do music if I never had time or energy. So the fundamental things I learned is this. When we get into business, most of us are running away from a job, not towards business. Like nobody said, I'm going to be a business owner. You know what they do? I hate my job. My income sucks. I want a better outcome. Let me run towards the real estate. So we have an avoidance to work and then version to this work. So we jump into this work and then we turn this thing into our idol. But then once we finally get to income, I call this level one, level two. And level one, we have income, but we have zero time. We have no freedom. Now we just became a slave to more money. So we buy shit to forget about the fact that we have no time to enjoy it. I'm going to keep going on one more 30 second tangent and then it's back to you guys. Then we fight the rest of our life to find our freedom again. Because we built, we built machines of liability. 
We built accountability cycles. We built things that we can't escape them because we become the center of them. And then we give it all of our energy, time, and most people, unfortunately, give it their identity. And I meet people that are in their 30s and 40s that can't talk about anything but this. And that is a shame because that's not who you were supposed to be. So, do I mentor people every single day on this stuff, helping them make money, fine, and then helping them find and their freedom and their identity again. It literally is. It's a whole journey. So, I hope that kind of starts to answer the question, though, but at least you can sense my heart and my mind of where my headspace is at in relation to the business. Yeah, straight fire, bro. And I want to dissect something a little bit that I think is super important that a lot of people, I think, skim past too quickly. And you mentioned this a minute ago about just you had to think differently. And I'm currently listening to a book by Bob Proctor and See You Were Born Rich. And there's a segment in there that he talks about like the average person does not think. They just do their routine day to day, Monday to Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, they just do whatever they want to do. There's no actual thinking in place. It's just mechanical movement. And then you get into that entrepreneurship level of people start thinking an hour or two a day. And you're like, all right, how do I get myself out of this position and into a new position? There's some thinking that's involved there. And then when you start talking to really successful millionaire, billionaire, multiple CEO type of people like yourself, thinking goes from an hour or two today to a few hours a day or full days even throughout a week or month. So through your career and to where you're at now, like how has your thinking changed? And are you creating dedicated time throughout a day or a week just to sit there and think and plan? What does that look like now versus what I would say like an ordinary entrepreneur would do? Everybody glorifies working on the business. Then they glorify working in the business. They're always working all the damn time. And I learned a formula that really helped me that I think would help your audience. And it goes like this. It goes play, prepare, perform. And we're always in performance mode. We're always in the business working, 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 which means we have zero time for our brain to take a break and actually compress and think about some of the elements and things you want to do. So I used to spend very, very little time in play because I felt guilty that I wasn't working. That's what I used to do. Okay, It was a problem I had. Every time I had a moment of free time, I felt like I should be working. And that's a symptom we develop, okay? It's an addiction to work. And God forbid you take a day off and do something completely different. But then here's what I realized. When your brain is at ease and you're, I love riding motorcycles. When you're riding a motorcycle, I started to realize that some of the ideas that I had started to connect in my head better. Some of the dots, some of the unreconciled business decisions, ideas, concepts, relationships started to become more clear to me. So then I said, I need to take more time and ride my bike, which led me to reading more books. And so I used to work literally 90% of my time. In 2010, I barely saw my wife. I saw for one day of the week. I was too busy working. I, was, I flipped 10 houses that year, 2010. And I was working, working, working. I used to spend no time in place. And I used to spend very little time in preparation. So here's what I do today. Today, my day consists of something like this. Minimum 60% of my day is in place. Of my week is in place, 60, 60. And then there's probably 10 to 20% in preparation. What preparation is this? Preparation is absolute and utter silence. No distractions, no phones, no anything. It is you, your thoughts, and a sheet of paper. Because all of the awesome ideas we have in our creative brain of what we can create, they need to be channeled into something. And we skip preparation and we go right to performance. Performance are the high visibility days. 
you're working, you see people, you do the meetings, you do handshakes, you do stuff, you get it done. But people are so busy working that they can't build. And if they listen to what I just said, I said that they're so busy working, they can't build with clarity. This is where grinding comes from. People grind and they do not align. The way that I align my interests, to answer your question, Steve, dude, most of my day is just spent thinking. And I would think today it's even different. It's not thinking about the business. It's thinking about life, thinking about my fitness, thinking about my music, thinking about my wife, thinking about my travel, thinking about different things. And these are not busy work. This is not like, this is me living life. And when I have an amazing creative thought, then I will take time, see that I will, I will sit down and I will, I will articulate that thought on paper. And then I'm going to do this. Who do I want to work with? How big should it be? What's the revenue? What's the calculation? What's the thing? And then I go looking for the right players to work. And when I find the right people and we have the right opportunity, then things are amazing. And this is why I can run a business and work like in one of my companies, educate their business. I spend one hour a week, one hour per me. My current schedule looks like this. I take meetings and different things. I love mentoring and helping people. So I spend Tuesdays and Thursdays, about three hours of mentorship, maybe four hours, depending what's going on. So that's Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I got about three hours of work that I do. Also on the mentorship side, class I work as kind of, we do some founder meetings in some of the companies we have. And then Fridays is podcasts and hanging out, networking. Saturdays is hanging out. Sundays is church and the Lord. And Mondays is called Music Mondays. You don't mess with my Mondays. All I do is play music. So I'm, I'm down to working about three to four hours, three days a week. That is, that is why I would classify as work. And all of that work to me is impact work. If you want me to like, hey, do you want to go build a real estate thing? No, not interested. Do you want to go and grind on this thing? Not interested. Hey, do you want to go build and help some people and do some cool stuff and make money? Yes, interested. So that's what my present work life balance looks like. For me, it fits my life. And for me, what helped, helped a lot, Steve, is when I started traveling, I'm doing most of my stuff that three hours from the pool. And my mind is so clear and fresh that I have good air and I have palm trees and I have this stuff. And it honestly doesn't feel like work. I'm just hanging out. I'm just talking to people, hanging out, using my brain, solving some problems, helping people solve problems. It's freaking amazing, man, to see other people win. So totally that, agree. That's kind of what that looked like. Yeah, I just got back from a trip from Mexico, man. And those little break interruptions behind the monotony that happens and just the daily grind, so worth it. And a friend of mine I was visiting down there was doing it for months, not just me doing it for 10 days. I can totally see the value of just putting yourself in a, a peaceful, pleasant position that is, like you said, free. One of the things I wanted to rewind and touch on real quick is I've basically seen you at every possible mastermind, network event, etc. How has that changed your career trajectory around being around more positive and more successful people? Well, it's what started my mentorship journey. So I was working by myself in Windsor, grinding, doing deals, all this stuff when I was 26, 27 years old. And what I, what I realized was I developed an ego around, right? Like I'm, I'm doing, I don't know, I did 65 flips in one year. Okay. And I'm like, for my age in my town, I was the guy, right? I was the guy flipping houses, doing the stuff, raising millions of dollars. And I was just grinding away at the business. The problem was that I wasn't surrounding myself with people that could help me elevate my thinking and help me ask better questions. All I would get was, you're awesome. You're good or whatever the case was. So I had to leave. I left my environment as like, Christopher Columbus exploring America and Canada, trying to find people that had better answers and actually, frankly, that better questions than I had. Because most of us, one of my, I was listening to somebody speak the other day, they said, what makes us human isn't the fact that we have the same answers. We're going to disagree on answers, but we all have the same questions. 
And everybody will have a different answer related to that question. It's like thought better questions. So the value of masterminds, I've spent around $400,000 on mastermind mentors, and I spent some money going to events. And for me, it's all about people. It's meeting people who ask themselves different questions. And I'm curious on what the answers are. And I cultivate my best relationships and allies in qualified rooms. I don't go to free rooms for the most part because I don't find that the attention is there. I don't find that the commitment and the conviction lives in those rooms. Those are low conviction rooms. I go to high conviction environments. People who are doing awesome things in their business, people who are living life on their own terms, and all of that stuff creates allies, and it's a share of resources. Intellectual resources, emotional resources, physical resources, all of the above. So I'm a massive advocate for masterminds. I, I, I've run a couple masterminds. I'm in a few masterminds. I've got a mentor. And, I'm gonna, and I spend at least 200 grand a year on the duck. And it's really important for me because I get to meet amazing people. What is the value of an amazing lifelong relationship? This is the question I have for people who question masterminds, right? I have met people that that relationship is worth many millions of dollars, many, many millions of dollars over the course of life. And I paid a hundred grand to be in the group. Oh my God, what a good deal I got. So I don't go there to learn. I don't go there because I need motivation to work. I don't go there. I go there for the people that go there because busy people, people who are, and busy is the wrong word. Convicted people who will not waste time going to Starbucks to try to hang out. Convicted people will only put their time and energy into other convicted people's space. So a mastermind is a bunch of convicted people who live with deep conviction, who go there for an intentional two or three day to connect, to dialogue, to see what's going on in the world. And that's where you're going to find the greatest people. The people who will help you, lift you up. I call them leechers versus reachers. If I'm reaching for stuff and you're reaching for stuff, we don't have, we don't have the energy or the, the time to do a bunch of other low level activity. But in our lives, friends, family, coworkers, whatever, we call those leechers. They will leech onto you and eventually try to drag you down. And I'm not saying they're doing it intentionally, but the moment you are a, a convicted, like I'm convicted, I'm reaching, reaching, reaching. Anybody who's not a reacher offense because they want to have low level dialogue. They want to gossip. They'll care about some dude slapping another dude which I think is the biggest bullshit waste of time, like an immediate and utter waste of time caring about what's going on in the world that's not your business. Robert Kiyosaki said this in his book, mind your own business. That means your business is your priority. Your life is your priority. Your faith, your family, your fitness, that's your priority. And if you don't mind it, nobody else will. That's such gold, dude. And I love what you said of, I don't go to free rooms. And that's something Steve and I found out early in our career as well as the more time we spent around spending the, the 20, 30 to $50,000 a year to be in rooms with people that paid the same amount to be there became lifelong friends. And those are people that even if you don't want to do business with them, they're people you want to hang out with and talk with and sit poolside with compared to other people that maybe I didn't meet at those events that don't have the same mindset that aren't inspiring me every single day. And I think that's a true testament to the value of what's going on there. I want to, I want to jump into some of the giving side. I know you're very philanthropic in your uh, movements and the way you're moving in life. And you shared that so far of how you only take on business ventures that help you give back and inspire you with passion and stuff. The question I really have is why should people unapologetically go after wealth to create the ability to allow them to give? Hmm. Well, what makes you human if you don't connect with other people? What, what is the meaning of legacy if it doesn't help or impact other people around? What is the value of your life if you live in utter isolation? 
We were designed by our creator to love, support, connect, help each other. That's what we were designed for. How arrogant is it of us to live a very selfish life where you only make enough money to only help you and only feed yourself? It's a complete and utter disrespect to all the people that help you. Every single person I've ever met has received help from another human being. At very minimum, how do you pay it forward? We were designed to connect. If you've been given a responsibility, responsibility to me is this. It's a duty and a privilege, right? Like if you were born in North America, you have a responsibility to create success. Because if you were born in a third world country, you have much less opportunity. So what that means to me is that the creator has given you an amazing life to create abundance that you can share with other people. So, like, I, I'm a person who decides to live in abundance. The only reason people don't give is because they have internal warfare and they live in scarcity. That's it. The only reason they don't contribute and help other people is because they have, they have internal self-worth problem. Pride takes over, right? Your own personal status, which is pride. When we go to the deepest of human emotions, people are insecure. If you want to create a level of abundance and security in your heart, in your mind, you have to plant and make deposits. Then deposits are financial, they are emotional, they are spiritual, and they affect all of your resources, your time and energy. I think the real problem, Randy, isn't that people don't want to give it. They don't know how, where, and how often. They don't know what that looks like because people put so much pressure on giving. They go, I got to give this. I got to give that. Just give something. Your time, energy, money. Get something to show, to show the rest of humanity that you care and you're a compassionate human. And I think if you don't do that, and there's seasons in life, listen, I wasn't, I'm not some giving guru. There's seasons in my life where I'm selfish as hell and I have to do things. But folks, if you have an opportunity in front of you to build immense wealth, then you have to do it. You have to do it. It's not a cute thing to do. It's not an option to do it. If you don't do it, for me as an immigrant, you should go back to my home country and let one of my people come here. That's a very aggressive standpoint. But this isn't a cute thing. This is how we help each other. This is how we serve humanity. This is how you worship your maker. Is when you know that your creator made you to live in abundance. Your creator didn't make you to struggle. He didn't make you to live in poverty. He didn't make you to live in scarcity and fear and doubt and criticism and all these different things. That's not what you were designed for. You may feel that today, but that's not your purpose. So when you have a person of purpose, which means you have a person of true self-worth, who knows that they were put on this earth to contribute. Hey, man, everything is about impact. I don't care how many dollars you give. What matters is about the heart and how you do. There's many times that we'll give money. Nobody ever needs to know. It's not their business. We'll give time and energy. Nobody ever needs to know. We'll give a nice word, a gesture, a compliment. Everything that's an act of gratitude will help you. And it's a full circle. When you practice gratitude physically, spiritually, emotionally, it will come back to reward you. And the reward is the reminder that you were put on this earth to live in purpose. So do it. I think people just struggle with how to do it. Not that they don't want to do it. I think people are good natured. That's my belief. And I think that they live in scarcity and fear and down criticism because we live in a sinful world. And people struggle with fear and uncertainty a lot. And that's why they don't give. And that's why so I, we don't need to be charitable. We just need to be human. And like for me, guys, if I, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Steve, but if I see a person on the side of the road, and I do this often, 
and I'm driving down the road and I see them sitting there with the sign, whatever, 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 whatever. That's a child of God. That's a human being over there. Right? So whatever I've got, ask us to like, hey, can I buy you something? Can I give you like you don't have to give a hundred dollars if you don't have it, but give a dollar, man. Give five dollars. The tendency is this. Oh, that person, they're less than me. They don't deserve whatever I have. Oh, they're just annoying. They're a nuisance. They're whatever. And what if it was your child? Is that what you would want if it was your child living on the street? Do you want people to drive by your child and go, you are worthless? All we need is compassion, man. If we have compassion, everything else takes, everything else takes over. Here in Victoria, BC, homelessness is a big issue. And every winter or the beginning of every winter for the last few years now, I've just gone and bought a brand new warm rainproof jacket and I just leave it in my car until that right person who I believe was actually going to do something good with it. And I'll just hand it over the window. Like, hey, they're usually sitting in a stoplight. And I was like, this one's for you. And I've done that for the last couple of years. But one thing that one of our previous guests, David Meltzer, is always saying is you must be who you can be. And I think that really shines on what you were just saying. Is there an example or story you can give us where giving or being really philanthropic has actually significantly benefited your brand or your business? Yeah. And I will say one thing before I jump into that. We all assume that we have to make money to give money away. You don't have to make money, but you can be an evangelist for giving. You can help other people give their money away and it works just as well. I'm a very practical dude. If I can get a dollar to somebody's pocket, whether it's my dollar or your dollar, and I can influence you to give your dollar away, hey, guess what? We're both winning here. We're both giving a dollar away to somebody. So everybody's like, everybody is very like selfish, self-centered about giving. One of my mentors, Mark, was having a 40th birthday party. And I mean, he invited all of us to go to a restaurant and all this different thing. And he was throwing an event and stuff like that. And I remember he said, we have somebody here from the Caring House Foundation. This is a charity that builds spec homes for people in Haiti that struggled after the devastation that happened a number of years ago. And Frank McKinney runs this organization. And they're building these homes for like 4000 bucks a home. So Mark got a local painter to come in and paint these things and like was doing auction to raise money for the foundation. So they're auctioning these paintings off at $1,000, $2,000. I just felt in the middle of this thing, I'm looking at 150 business owners that just came off. Like they all have tons of real estate, tons of deals. And I felt this massive poke in my heart. You guys know what I'm talking about. You ever get this sensation that like, hey, you were literally put on this earth for this moment. You were, you were a healer. And it's your responsibility to do something because you are here. So I walked over to Mark and he's on stage and, and I kind of tapped him on the show. I said, hey, dude, can I come up on stage? And he said, okay. I was like, can I have the microphone? I said, okay. I took the microphone and I just had this massive conviction that said, this is why you're here. God put you on stages. God gave you opportunities to speak. He gave you a tongue. He gave you a voice for these kind of things. And I just turned the audience and spoke from my heart. I said, if we as business owners can't help these people, if we can't help them build some basic housing, why are we here? What is the purpose? What is the point of all this money and deals and resources if we can't help these people? And he had this painting on stage. I said, let Jeff days go. I just spoke from my heart. My wife was there at 150 people. And I said, 2,000. 3,000. My buddy Tim raised his hand. I'll give you five grand. Another guy raises his hand. I'll give you 7,000, 11,000, 12,000, 13,000, 15,000. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of shaking and I looked at everybody and said, fuck it. I'll buy myself $16,000. 
And it wasn't ego in that moment. That was clarity. That was an act of service. That wasn't a show. That was an honest man struggling internally to see the value of what was in that room. And I bought the painting myself. And I gave the microphone back to Mark. And within the next 40 minutes, there is $151,000 for carrying out project. I'm not saying I'm the one who did it. I'm not saying that I'm the one who spoke to those people's hearts. I'm not saying that I'm the one who made anything happen. But what I did was I stepped up and I did what I thought was right. And I didn't tell my wife I'm spending $16,000 US on a picture of a lion. I don't know what it does. What I knew was there was people that needed help and I was a person who could find resources. I can use debt and real estate and whatever else we learned in that room, whatever the connections I had in that room to make this commitment happen. And I committed before I even knew where the money was coming from. It raised 151 grand. And Mark actually raised the rest of it personally. And they built an entire village called the DM Family Village in Haiti under the Frank McKinney Foundation, the Caring House Project. And what an incredible opportunity to be just a part of that. And I'm so thankful. And that was a public display. And I've had private displays. But my point to you guys is, When you feel that calling and you have to do something, how do you know that that person on the side of the corner with the will work for food sign wasn't put there by your creator to text you to see, are you the kind of person that serves or are you the kind of person that's only selfish? And that moment, I will never forget in my life what happened to that moment. And I got a video a week later from Caring Health Project and I saw all those little kids and a thank you video, and it just broke my heart. It was amazing to see the impact. What's $200,000 to us as business owners? If I live in Canada, folks, you have two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 of newfound equity in your house just because the market went up in the last 10 years. You didn't do anything for that money. You simply bought a piece of real estate. What an incredible blessing if you took some of your equity and you just gave it away for somebody who can build a house for $4,000 in another country. So that it, I live with such conviction about this stuff. Because if we don't do it, you basically tell me you don't want to be human. Dude, that story literally gave me goosebumps. I don't know if you can see that, but so special. And it's something that I've always wanted to do, be physical, like building houses. Chris, before we get into our rapid fire giving round, I want to tap back into some of the emotion of that story about putting your hand up and writing that check. And then more so about the actual feeling you got and probably still get, still get when you think about those kids in the video you got. Dive for like maybe two minutes into the feeling that you get and how that feeling continues to motivate you. Those kids are somebody else's children. And if it was your children, would you not fight tooth and nail? Well, those are God's children, right? He put you on this planet. He gave you an opportunity to live in abundance. And if your father gave you a bunch of money and resources when you graduated high school, if Steve, he gave you a million dollars and then you completely blew it, wouldn't that be such a disrespect? If you were born in North America, you were born a millionaire. Simple as that. If you live in North America, you are a millionaire. Whether your bank account says it or not, it doesn't matter. Your opportunities say it. And if you are a millionaire, how much amazing good can you do? When I think of those kids, I just think of all the people. Can you imagine who those kids end up becoming? Can you imagine which of those kids end up becoming a leader of their own community? A person who becomes a doctor, 
a person who becomes somebody that helps and serves other people. There is no shortage to your impact when you get out of your own way. I'm not building it for my glory. I'm not giving money away for my own praise. I don't need a statue. I don't need any of that stuff. I need to contribute. I don't care what faith you follow. I don't care if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter in this context. What matters in this context is the power of human connection. And if you want to become the most fully developed and the most fully aware version of yourself, it starts with connecting with other people's basic needs. Not just yours. Serve. So that's my thing, dude, is I literally get angry at myself when I see that stuff and think it becomes my responsibility. The ego wants to do something else. The ego goes, it's got to be my charity. It's got to be my donation. It's got to be my name on the dotted line. I didn't even get the damn painting. They sent me the wrong one in the mail. That wasn't even the one I fought. And then when they realized this, Sean Whalen was there. He's a popular guy in that circle. And then I got the one of Alliance. Okay? That's the one I bought. And they sent me another one of an American dollar bill. They're like, oh, Sean Whalen has your lion picture. Okay, keep it. His brand is lion, right? Keep it. I don't need it. Give me the dollar bill. I don't, I don't care if it would have been, could have been a water bottle. It didn't matter. I wasn't buying the picture. So the, the connection is when you come from a third world country, I have an intolerance for injustice, especially if I create the injustice. If you have an opportunity to help and serve somebody, don't live in injustice. This is why I rebel against a lot of things. Canada wants to shut me down? Fuck you. You want to tell me what to do? Fuck off. Don't impose oppression on me, and I won't impose oppression on other people. All of us have an opportunity in Canada, an amazing country, to do incredible things. And it doesn't matter what your government is or is not doing for you. It doesn't matter what your job is or is not doing for you. You have amazing opportunities. All you have to do is wake up and just say, I don't live in injustice. I will help everybody. That's it. Now, you can't give everybody a million bucks. You don't have those resources. But what you can do is be an evangelist. That costs you nothing but conviction. And I have a lot of conviction. You're it for sure, man. And one of our mentors, Cole Hatter, always said, there is two people put on this earth. There's one that was meant to go serve and do the actual work on the ground. There's also people that were meant to go build badass businesses and make a ton of money to fund the people so they can go do that work on the ground. And I think that's a prime example of that, of just giving your God-giving gifts. Doesn't mean you have to go work with your hands and serve and do that. You can do raise money at a charity using your voice and what you were given to do that so that other people can go do that work. And that's so powerful. And as we're getting to the end of our show here, I really want to jump into these the giving round here and just hear some of your answers. So short, quick, simple answers. We're going to rapid fire the match yet. And then we'll let you get out of here and back to your poolside mentoring. So brag on one charity you like. I love Caring House Project. I love what Frank McKinney does with those kids. I just think it's incredible. What gets you more excited? Writing a big fat check or being hands-on with people? I love being hands-on and helping people. The money is just, the money is just fuel for what you get to do. I love the fact that somebody is tangibly, practically jumping in there getting stuff done. I think that's so incredible. Who inspires you with their giving? My dad inspires me. He's been the most generous man I've ever known my whole life. My mom inspires me. And anybody who is fighting for advocacy for some charity, some group of people, some minority, every time I see it, I get fired up. I love it. Beautiful. 
Do you think that people should start giving at the very beginning of their business or when they have some success and some money to make? Well, if you want to have success, then start using the qualities of success. Success will people give. Simple. If you want the formula, that's what it is. Unsuccessful people hoard and they don't give. They don't invest. They don't share. Plant seeds. So give today. I don't care if you have a dollar. Nobody is keeping track of how much you give but you. It doesn't matter how much you give. It's the act of giving. How much can pay? The amount can change. But if you're waiting to give a dollar, what are you waiting for? Go and give a dollar if you have it. Go give 10. It's more valuable to give when you don't have than always give when you do have. That's the secret to what I have is I'm giving time, energy, money, and I'm not keeping everybody else accountable. Sometimes, even though I charge, our company charges a lot of money for mentorship, it's sometimes it's absolutely free. You know why? Because it's the right thing to do. Just help somebody. Not everything has to be about dollars and cents. Love that answer. That's one of my favorite ones so far. Giving can also be in unique forms. It can be free programs or mentorships, resources. What's one unique way that you give back? I learned that with the people when it comes to financial discipline and financial intelligence. I think a lot of people are broken. So one of the ways that we do this is, you know, we do classes and trainings and work one-on-one with people to help them just overcome generational poverty and all of that is mental. Like they, the way they think is broken and it doesn't produce financial fruit. I love helping people plant new seeds. That to me is a really impactful way over and above just giving money to different groups. Helping people become resourceful to me is, is the longest giving kind of gift you can have because that'll help them fish for themselves versus just giving them a fish. In a single word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Purpose. What you're designed to do. Purpose. That's it. And if you don't do it, I would challenge that you live in purpose. I love that, man. And the uh, the final question that we have for you that we ask all of our guests, it's the age-old question, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? I believe that money can buy a Lamborghini. That's it. What does money have to do with happiness? You internally have to decide if you want to be happy. It is a choice. And if you want to be happy, the money will just, money is nothing but speed and make my giving faster. It gives me more resources. It gives me more Lamborghinis. It builds more houses and charities. It is not directly tied to happiness. Money is just like anything else. It's water. It's momentum, energy. Money and happiness are not tied together. Happiness is happiness. Money is money. When we confuse the two, is when we start to get confused. Incredible, dude. Well, thank you so much for your time coming on here and dropping bombs. And we knew it was going to be awesome and you over-delivered and uh, we can't thank you enough, dude. And thank you again for just inspiring us and continuing to inspire others to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger with their profits along the way. So thanks again for coming on, Ben. God bless you guys. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, We would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.